I love this from uh, Bill O'Reilly, the woke nightmare. The media loves them, and Colin Kaepernick would play for them if he could. They're out of the closet and in your face. They're on the march determined to change America into a bright, shining beacon of socialism where white men are guilty and everyone else is a victim. And he goes into reparations for everybody. Let's welcome to the program Bill O'Reilly. Hello, Bill. Back. You're in D.C., huh? I am in D.C. I gave a speech at CPAC uh, earlier this morning about socialism. And I, I can't believe, Bill, where we are I made a list uh, yesterday on the air of all of the things that these socialists and, and Nancy Pelosi and the, the, the people who are running for president, I can't think of something that they haven't wholeheartedly embraced that America's, America has never been for, with reparations being the latest. Yeah, because the media used to criticize people who were loons. And now it doesn't. So you can, that's why I said they're out of their closet and in your face because they don't, um, if you are an extremist, and certainly the progressive movement has gotten to that territory, 10 years ago you would have been killed, but not anymore. So they can say what they want, do what they want, um, no criticism from their team, and that's what you're seeing. And I think the media is doing them such a grave disservice. I mean, you know, the media is in on it. They want it. Um, but they're doing them such a grave disservice because it's no one is checking them. So I think they believe that they're in touch with the average American. But when you talk about slave reparations, you talk about killing a baby uh, shortly after birth, uh, you talk about a tax of 70%, you talk about... Uh, universal health care, I mean, ending capitalism, the American people are not for that, are they? No, but you're making a mistake in the sense that you think the media supports all this crazy stuff. They don't really support it. Uh, The six companies that are running all of the information flow in America, they don't want socialism. They don't want, Disney doesn't want um, Mickey to pay 70% of their ticket receipts yeah. at Disney World and Disneyland. They don't want that. Okay, but they have no problem embracing this crew because of Trump. See, if Trump weren't president, if there were another Republican who wasn't quite as flamboyant, I don't think you would be seeing all this. But, but because Trump's in the White House, this has opened the door to madness. Madness. So and I'm actually, uh, you're right. I'm a- the American people don't want any of this, and that's why this is actually helping President Trump. So I am, I am, I am uh, in a way, I'm thrilled that the masks have come off and they finally oh my, will just absolutely. say what they're actually for. I think that's right. really good. The right. problem, though, is, Bill, if you're right that this is really about Trump, if Trump loses, if if the economy goes down or if something happens during the election and he does lose this election, we then have a group of politicians. I mean, anyone so far that is announced will take us straight line to socialism. And if they control the House and the Senate and the White House, they will move on these things. And it's over. it's lights happened. out in two years. 
I can't imagine What'd you that say? happening. I can, I can see Trump losing, but he'd lose to somebody like Biden, um, not to somebody like Kamala Harris. Um, but you don't think I could you don't think Biden I mean, would move have, that ball? Um, but I, 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 I think if you look at the abortion poll, for example, after the craziness of Andrew Cuomo and the governor of Virginia, it just flipped. Uh, most Americans say, you know, enough. I'm not supporting any of this. And I think that's what you're going to see. And if Trump can discipline himself a little bit more, he's now, you know, really, really getting it now. But just float above it and then run your campaign in a methodical way. Um, got a good chance to win. I talked to um, some leadership of some of the biggest voices uh, out there today. Uh, and I don't want to, it was private conversations backstage, and so I don't want to say who said this, but uh, they are concerned that it is going to be nothing but investigations and smears from here on out, uh, and which will weaken people from the ability to be able to actually stand up and fight. Beck, I'm I'm going to give you two things um, that I think you have to pass along to your CPAC pals. All right? Okay. Here's the first thing. And I said this on BillOReilly.com last night. If I were President Trump, I would tell all my children and any employee of the Trump organization to take the Fifth Amendment if called in front of Congress. That is not a fair and impartial body any longer. It is not a court of law, but you can be prosecuted if if they can trap you into perjury. Do not say a word. Sit there like they did in The Godfather, and just say, we're not talking because we don't believe this is a fair proceeding. That'll shut down all of the hysteria off um, Cohen. Secondly, if CPAC does not organize a countergroup to the boycotters of Move On, Media Matters, Bonner Group, all of these people, they will lose the culture war. They've got to be an organized conservative group that can come out and say to Mercedes-Benz, if you pull your sponsorship because these people are threatening you on the far left, we're going to tell our people that you're doing it. There has to be a central organization from the conservative side in this country to fight the George Soros-funded groups that are yes. running wild, threatening freedom well, I will of speech t- in this country. Those I will tell things. you, Bill, that I will tell you that that is already. I'm beginning to see that uh, already uh, in action. Uh, people don't know about it yet, but I, I see that force already um, in the in the late stages of being happen. put together. All right, it is. We're going to take a. We're got to happen. We're going to take a quick break and then come back with more Bill O'Reilly and Ted Cruz will be joining us as well. Back with Bill O'Reilly, of course, of BillOReilly.com, the purveyor of that wonderful site. You can subscribe there as well as a author of about 17 million uh, New York Times number one bestsellers, including uh, Killing the SS, the most recent one. Uh, Bill, I want to get your take on the Cohen hearings this week because it was a big story this week and I really want it to go away. He is now testified, I think, more times than he actually had clients in total. So (laughs) (laughs) do you take anything of value out of what Michael Cohen did in front of Congress? 
Not really. Uh, the man's out for vengeance. I mean, I think he's weaving a tale that has some truth to some allegations, um, but certainly it is tainted evidence, and um, it will all go away when the Mueller report comes out. So once the Mueller report is released, and that rumor is next week we'll know something, that'll override Cohen. But as I just told uh, Beck, it, if the Democrats in the House continue to try to subpoena people to divert away from actually improving the country by passing legislation and wasting everybody's time with this stuff, this will never end. So all the people on the Trump team have got to say, it's not going to testify. So go ahead, subpoena, we're going to win. We have the right to take the fifth and not say anything, and that's what we're going to do. So that would shut that down. Um, but do I think that Michael Cohen has any validity to the country today? No, I don't. What do you, what do you think about the, the way the media has handled this in that you know, they treated Michael Cohen as you know, completely untrustworthy and the, a man with absolutely no credibility through his, the entire campaign? They mocked him constantly, which I think, honestly— uh, was the right thing to do, because I never had any faith in Michael Cohen telling the truth about anything. But now he's suddenly the most credible man in America. He's basically George Washington uh, in front of Congress. I, can you, I mean, it's almost impossible to to overestimate how disingenuous this stuff is. But this is not a surprise to anyone that since um, President Trump took office, um, they've been trying to get him out of there. And, you know, there's no downside for the Democratic Party to continue to accuse the president of the United States of anything and everything, every day, so, every second, so, every way, because they'll so Bill, just let me, wear people down, which is what they want to let, do. Let me, may, may I ask you this, Bill? Um, the one thing that uh, several Republican senators said during his testimony, and I found this so, uh, so interesting um, and I'd love to hear your take on this. They kept saying, this is where you start? I mean, you usually start an investigation with somebody credible, somebody big, somebody that has something. He had nothing, and what he did have, he had no credibility to present. So is does this say something uh, about what they do have or, or don't in reality, well, I mean, you got to feel that Mueller, whatever the Democrats have, Mueller knows about. So that'll be put right. to bed this time. When we talk a week from today, we may have the scenario about Donald Trump and what he did or did not do. But I'll tell you this. When I heard the Cohen stuff, um, and I didn't really take him seriously and wasn't going to pay a lot of time to him, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when I heard him say, um, oh, Trump really didn't want to be president. He was just doing this for his brand. Remember that? Yeah. Remember when he said yeah, that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Yes, yes, yes. That's a lie. I mean, I know that personally. I have I had dozens of conversations with Donald Trump about policy, where he asked me tons of questions. And why would he do that if he didn't care and he was just campaigning to be president so, for his brand why would he take so let me ask you this it? maybe maybe um because i believe 
the truth is somewhere in between. I think Donald Trump would love to be, would have loved to be president, wanted to be president, ran seriously as president, but also created the counter narrative in his own head um, that he was also just doing this as a raising of his profile, which would allow him to lose. And I'm not sure if in the end, I mean, he's, he's not delusional. Uh, in the end, I'm not sure he thought this was a lock that he was going to win. So I could hear him saying to others, you know, uh, this is a big publicity thing anyway, in his inner circle. So when and if he did lose, he could say, I never intended on winning anyway. This is a win for us. Because that's the kind of world I think that he lives in. Do you think there's any truth to that? Yeah, I think that's a look. I'm writing a book on him right now. Yeah. You can use okay. that. I, I know how that. he operates. I he could have easily but... said that in casual conversation. Well, if we don't win, yeah. look at our brand. We're the most successful yeah. uh, brand in the world now. Could have said that. Correct. But you don't, yeah. on the night before the election, get on a plane and go to Michigan when your people have just told you the internal polling in that state shows you could win, but you've got to get there for a midnight rally. So he gets on a plane and, come on. The guy, right. if you look at his schedule, his campaign schedule, it was twice as that of Hillary Clinton. He worked twice as hard as she did. So all of this stuff is what they call out of context. And, and in my research of the Trump history book, 90% of the reportage on Donald Trump is out of context, where there may be a truth and a kernel but they spin it into this big thing, and, and it's just so dishonest. Look, I'm not in business. The Trump book is not a pro-Trump book. There's stuff in there that, that people are going to go, whoa, I didn't know he did that. <laughs> but if you want to be honest, and I do, this guy has not got a break from the media or the Democratic Party once, not once since he's declared for the presidency. Uh, I want to switch gears on topics here in just a second, Bill, but before we do, can you give us an outline on when the book is coming out? And September. In September? Do you have a I'm title? 2,000 words a day, Stu. Oh. Um, I got about 40% of it done. Research is churning as it, but it'll be out in September. It'll be really interesting to read a book about Trump that doesn't come from the uh, I praise at the altar of Donald Trump or the I can't stand Donald Trump. He's Satan viewpoint. There's never been one. Yeah. I don't think I've ever, I've ever, I can't think of one. That's for no, sure. There isn't any. Yeah. All right. And that's, and that's what makes this book a bear to write is because when I go into the research, I can't count on it being true. Can I give you a fast story? Do we have to? Yeah, please. Yeah. You got a couple minutes. Okay. Okay. This will, I think you'd be very interested in to hear this. So, Remember that uh, headline, um, Best Sex I Ever Had, Marla Maples? Yes, yes. The, one of the most famous headlines in American journalism history, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I tell you exactly where that came from. Really? But exactly. Mm. All right? But in order to do that, in order to get the person who is in the room, when that was given to the New York Post, I had to go through 15 different people. I finally got her. I finally got the woman. Wow. All right? Mm -hmm. Who heard it? <laughs> and, I, and, it's in, and the story's in the book. But it, it went unbelievable labyrinth. 
And the stuff that had been written about that headline was all a bunch of garbage. But you'll read the truth in the book. Ah, looking forward to it in September uh, from Bill O'Reilly. Bill, we got about one more minute here. Can you give me a minute on North Korea, the, the breakup of, the, of the, uh, the, the meeting, as well as Trump's comments on Otto Warmbier, which are getting some criticism? Okay. So Trump's negotiating style is to flatter the person he wasn't even thinking of poor Otto and his family. Mm. All right? Flatter, flatter, flatter. Ingratiate yourself they'll be more inclined to see my point of view. He does that 100% of the time in, in negotiations. Okay, number one. Number two, he underestimated the psychosis of Kim Jong-un. He's a psychotic. So he thought he could reason with the man. The United States put forth a lot of things that would have helped North Korea and Un himself, and Un wouldn't move. Trump learned a lesson. They'll squeeze him with sanctions. Down the line, the army will probably depose UN, and that's where we are. Hmm. Does it make you uncomfortable hearing an American president flatter a person like Kim Jong-un? You know, maybe it, it would if it were anybody but Donald Trump, because I know what the guy is doing. He's always done it, and he wants the deal. It's the art of the deal. So if he has to say BS about somebody in a flattering way, he's going to say it. Just the way he does business. Yeah, and, and he wrote about it. that in The Art of the Deal. Uh, Art of the Deal. I mean, he really... He's been very successful in, in, in that kind of a situation. But I feel bad for the Warmbier family. Yeah. But, but I can tell you he wasn't even thinking about that. Yep. Yep. Okay, Bill O'Reilly from BillOReilly.com. You can uh, get a, be a subscriber there and get his commentary every day, as well as uh, the book coming out in September on Donald Trump. We look forward to it. Bill, thanks so much for coming All on right, today. All right, guys. Thanks. See you.